Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Hey, we've been in a series for the past couple of weeks called Five Myths About Money and the Church. And the reason that we're doing this series right now is because we know that there are so many crazy ideas and myths, rumors, things about money and the church that are out there. And one of the things that we absolutely know is that the Bible talks about money and possessions thousands of times. It talks, Jesus talks about uh, money and, and possessions in like half of his parables. So we know it's an important topic. And if you've been watching the last couple of weeks, you would know that this is a really important topic to God. And so the reason that we're doing this series is to bust some of these myths that are just not founded. And so I want to tell you about the third myth today. And this is kind of an interesting one because I don't know if we would ever find anybody who actually might say this myth, but I feel like what it could be is a myth that sometimes people have in the back of their minds. Maybe it's just a thought. It's just an idea. And it goes something like this. Uh, if I give money, then I'm a generous person. If I give money, I'm, I'm a generous person. And so this is a really interesting one because I'm sure that there are people that just give something, anything, uh, and they feel generous. But here's the thing, we're the church and we have got to nail this idea of generosity and, and do it so well. And so I find that, and I really believe I'm right about this, but in church, you know, one of the things that we must do is look at what God says about everything we believe about life. Amen? Amen. All right, we got to get this. And one of the things that we do to make sure that we are living our lives in alignment with uh, what God wants for us is we look at the Scriptures, you know. We read this and make sure that our lives are not in alignment with what we feel because that could shift and that could change depending on our season, our country, our background, our history, our parents. You know, all of these things could shift. But we say, what does the Word of God say? So, I find it to be true that in any church, people say, I just want to know what the Word says. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, having said that, here it goes. I want to read to you out of 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul has written a letter to a young pastor by the name of Timothy, who is leading a huge church in Ephesus. And Timothy needs to be encouraged to speak to the people on certain topics. And there's all kinds of issues that are going on in this church at this time. Lots of false ideas and false doctrine and wrong teaching. And so Paul comes to set the record straight on a whole bunch of issues. And then he kind of finishes his first letter to Timothy with this thing that I'm about to read to you right now. Chapter 6, verse 17, it says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them. That word charge is a very serious word. It means to command them. So the pastor of this church, Timothy, is being told to command the rich people not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us 
with everything to enjoy. They are to, number one, do good. Number two, be rich in good works. Number three, to be generous and ready to share. Thus, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. In other words, the age to come. In other words, the life that comes after this life so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. If I was to read the Scriptures and bring my life and everything that we do in alignment with what the Bible says, then I'm supposed to charge rich people to be generous. I mean, really, if we read it, I'm supposed to command rich people. And I guess not everyone, but we're really talking to the church right now. So I guess what I'm supposed to do is to command rich people in the church to be generous. I think that we love when the Word of God gives us things. Like we love the fact that God loves us because that's something that He does for us. Oh, we, we love when the Word of God gives things to us. We're not so sure about when it asks things, you know, from us. You know, that's a totally different thing. Can we just be, can you just give us more, God? And then what he does is he says, yeah, but I'm going to ask some things from you too. Of course, if, you know, if you read this, there is a loophole in this for you if you just read the same scripture, because guess what? If you're not rich, then this doesn't apply to you. And I guess what we got to figure out is, just who's rich and who's not. Now, when you're trying to figure out if you're rich, I just wonder how you go ahead and do that. Because what most people do is they have this way of normalizing their own life and where they're at. And rich always seems to be, and they have done studies on this, rich is always someone who has more than you. Rich is always someone who has more than you. You're not rich. Rich is someone that's got double what you've got. Now, they're really rich, but I don't know. Like, I'm not so sure how this works. In fact, I was reading the newspaper just this last week, and the ATO revealed and released a whole lot of stats and information about Australia, about Victoria, about wealth and income and suburbs. And they, they released a whole bunch of interesting things like if you live in Melbourne, Victoria, and you live in the suburb of Turak, which by the way, is Australia's second most expensive suburb to live in, the average person earns, hold on to your hats, 200 thousand dollars a year. That's the average salary of a person that lives in Turak. Now, I don't know how much you earn, but uh, 200,000 to a lot of us would seem like a lot. And you know what's really funny about that is I reckon if we were to go to people in Turak and say to them, hey, do you, do you feel really rich? I wonder if they would just peek over their neighbor's fence and, and compare themselves to the suburb that they're in and say, no, 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 no. I'm not really rich. 
I mean, I look at and see what my neighbors have and you could look over the fence in a Turak property and maybe you see a tennis court and, and, and maybe you see a, a, a Bentley and maybe you see a, a swimming pool and an amazing house and, and you see beautiful homes. I wonder if people in suburbs like that look over the fence and say, nah, I'm just average. I'm just normal. I mean, everyone around me is pretty much the same as me. Rich is someone with far more than what I have. I wonder if they would say something like that. I thought that this was interesting to me. So I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look into this. I'm going to do a little bit of research. And so I found this amazing website. You can go to it after the message today. It's called howrichamai.com. And what you do is you can put in your currency, and they do this with currencies all around the world. You can put in your currency, uh, and you put in the, the, you know, the nation that you're from, and you put in uh, your annual income. And then what it does is it compares how much money you make and compares you to the rest of the world. And so you punch in the data. Now, the ATO, they actually released in this same article that I read, that the average Australian salary is around or just north of $60,000 a year. Just north of $60,000. So I thought, fascinating. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put in the average Australian salary and see how that compares to the rest of the world. So I put in all the data and here's what it told me. If you earn $60,000 in Australia, you are in the top 2.3% of people of earners, income earners in the world. If you're an average Australian, you're in the top 2.3%, which means that nearly 98% of the world lives below you in terms of your income. And I thought, I wonder how many average income Australians just walk around going, I'm rich. I'm rich. I have so much. And, and I suspect that they don't. You know, I, I wonder if we were to go to an average Australian on an income of $60,000 and say to them, hey, how are you doing? Do you feel rich? I, I wonder if they might peek over their neighbor's fence and see the same standard of living, the same proximity to their financial life and what they're able to earn and say, no, no, no. They just look around at the world around them and say, no, I'm not rich. I mean, what I have is normal. I'm just normal. It seems to be that whether you're from Turak or whether you're from an average income Australian family, you could just look at the world around you and say, nah, I'm not rich, I'm, I'm just normal. Do you know what was fascinating about this is right after it lists on howrichamai.com, it lists the average Australian income and where it puts you in terms of your wealth compared to the world globally, there was a, a section below that and it said, how much of your salary could you donate and how wealthy would you still be? And as I scrolled down the page, the level, it's a sliding scale. It just happened to be set at 10%. So I thought that's interesting. So you could give away, if you're on the average Australian income of $60,000 a year and you gave away 10% of your income, you would still, still find yourself in the top 
2.9% of earners globally, which means 97% of the world is beneath you in terms of your income and standard of living. And I thought that's fascinating to me because I think the average person doesn't walk around saying, wow, I feel so rich. Listen, not many people feel rich. Not many people feel rich. They are, but they just don't feel like it. And what I'm supposed to do, not necessarily to the whole world, but just to the church, is to tell the rich people to be generous. What does that even really mean? What does it mean to be generous? Because here's the myth. If I give something, I'm a generous person. I didn't have to, and I gave, so that makes me generous. And I'm, I'm not so sure that that's actually true. Let me ask you a question. If I was to give you $70, or let's just say this. If I was to give away $70 from my annual income, would that make me a generous person? And the answer is probably no. You know, like, I don't think I'm a generous person to just give away $70 from my annual income. But let me change the context of the story. Back when I was about maybe seven years old, I decided that what I wanted to do was to buy my mum and dad a romantic dinner at a restaurant for their anniversary. And I don't know why I got this in my head, but I thought this is just something that I'm going to do. So you know what I did? I started saving for this. And I actually organized my own babysitter. I called my grandma. I said, can you come around on this night? Can you babysit us? And, and like, you guys can't hear, there's a lot of ahs and like really sweet things happening here, okay? Yeah, so this, of course, it was very sweet. So, so I called my grandma and I, you know, I said, hey, can you come around and babysit us? And I actually called the restaurant and I said, hey, I wanna make a booking for two people. They thought it was a joke. Why is a kid calling up to make a booking? And so I, I, I booked an in. So my grandma turns up at our house and my parents are like, oh, you know, what are you doing here? And my grandma says, oh, well, you know, Ben has something that he wanted to do for you. I'm going to let him tell you about it. So I go into my bedroom and I organized a card and I probably failed to mention this part. But at this stage in my life, I think I was earning about $2 a week pocket money. And I brought out $70 in $2 coins and gave that to my mum and dad and said, I've organized an anniversary uh, dinner for you guys and I want you to go out. And of course they were like, no, we can't do it. We can't take this from you. It's too much. And I was devastated because I've been saving for this for 35 weeks. <laughs> that amount of money was 70% of my annual income. And the moment that I say this to you, everyone goes, well, that's generous. So, so the amount is the same. It's still me. It's still $70. But the percentage has changed. And that's one of the important things that we need to understand about being generous. In fact, I would say to you that there are two things that you need to be a generous person. The first thing you need is a good percentage of the whole. That's the first thing that you need. 
a good percentage of the whole. $70 ain't much until it's 70% of your annual income and suddenly it becomes exceedingly generous. You know, if you read the Scriptures and you look at Mark, and we're not going to go there, but Mark chapter 12, verse 41 it's got this heading in my Bible called the widow's offering. And all these people are coming and they're, they're putting money into the offering. Uh, and, and, and so as they're depositing their money, here is Jesus watching what people are giving. And he does something interesting. He looks at this widow. And if you understand anything about first century people, if you're a widow uh, in this town and, and in these times, then you could get in a really bad way if you didn't have people helping you and supporting you. And apparently this woman is in poverty and Jesus makes a distinction because everyone's putting in the same amount. But he says there is a difference because those people gave out of their abundance and she gave out of her poverty. One person gave out of their abundance. Another gave out of their poverty. And what is the difference? It's the percentage. It's the amount of the whole, the good amount of the whole. What's interesting to me is that Jesus is in a position where He just happens to be watching what everyone is putting in. See, come on, don't be fooled for any second now. Jesus knows when someone is being generous and when they're not. He knows exactly what people do. He knows exactly what people give. And I want to make this point. You can give money and not be generous. You can give and not be generous. It all comes down to the percentage. Is it a good percentage of the whole? See, giving doesn't make you generous. And for me, this idea that might just be a mindset or an idea or a thought, this idea that if I give, I'm generous, I think it's totally busted. To me, if you give and you want to be generous, it has to be a good percentage of the whole amount. So here's what you could do. You can... Find out if you are a generous person. If you go and do your homework, and it's actually pretty easy to do, take your bank statement and look down. And I, I really mean to do this. Just have a look at how much of your income you give. And you might give to church. You might give to you know, missions. You might give to sponsored children, whatever it is, right? Just look at how much you give as a percentage of your whole and then start to understand whether you really are a generous person or not. Because there are some pretty simple maths that you can do here. And as soon as every, anybody does this maths, I feel like this is one of the things that, that gets in the way of people's generosity, right? Really simple math. Here it is. But if I give more, then I will have less, right? But if I give more, I'll have less. I don't know about this. And that tension right there, I believe, is one of the main reasons why people don't live generous lives. Because they'll just end up with less. In fact, statistically, They've, they've researched this, and statistically, in Australia, the United States, it's all the same. It seems to be that people with less money give more. Isn't that crazy? Isn't it crazy that it seems to be that the more 
people earn, the more people want and the less that they give. And I bet you, if you were to go to those people and you were to say to them, right, why can't you give more since you earn more? They would always come back to this idea, well, I just need this stuff, right? I, I need this. See, as long as you live with the idea that you need everything that you're buying, you'll probably never be in a position to be generous. You know what I've discovered over time is that greed always hides itself or disguises itself as need. You know, I, I think about this idea of always needing stuff. We have a word for it. We call it materialism. It's just that you want more stuff. You think that you need more stuff. And so because you think that you need more, it's actually greed disguising itself as need. And we don't have to teach people how to do this. They, they just do it intuitively. They do it instinctively. If anyone has small children, you will understand this, you know? It's like, I let my kids make mistakes with money because they're young and it's all correctable. But, you know, I, I give my kids pocket money if they've done their chores. And so our, this would happen all the time. We, we, they would get their pocket money and we would go down to Kmart. And there is this section in Kmart where all the toys are. And within the toy section, there is a section within a section where the cheapest, tackiest, crappy toys are kept, right? And they don't cost very much. And every time we would go down to the shops, my kids would be like, can I have my money? Can I have my money, right? And they go to this section and they would just blow all of their money on, on these crappy toys. And I would say to them, guys, don't spend your money on this. And they would say to me, but can I spend it? And I would say, yes, you can, because I've given this money to you. It's your money. But don't you understand that if you keep blowing it on stuff you don't need, you won't have anything left over to do something else with. And it didn't seem to matter. For months and months, we're accumulating a lot of crappy toys at our house, you know. And, and, and that, why? They just kept on buying stuff. And if I asked them, do you really need this? They would say, yes. We need this, Dad. I need this toy. I want this toy. It's amazing. People don't actually grow out of that. Not everyone. See, greed often disguises itself as need. And let me tell you why that's so important. Because you could be materialistic, or let's say you could be greedy and not even know about it. And that's the scary part. So if you want to be generous, you need to increase the percentage that you give, but you need something else. So a good percentage of the whole amount, that's only the first thing. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, and he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5 to 11. Paul says, I thought it was necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you, <laughs> And arrange in advance for the gift that you promised. These people are a Christian church who had made a pledge to give to the church in Jerusalem that was going through a difficult time. And they said, yes, we'll give. And apparently, Paul just doesn't trust these guys because he sends on people ahead 
just to ensure that the gift that they said they were going to give is actually going to be given. See, if they didn't give, they would be known as pledge dodgers. And nobody likes a pledge dodger because they say one thing and they do another. And so actually, he writes this to the church in Corinth. They would have understood this point very, very well. So they had this thing called the Athenian Agora, which the word Agora actually is a, means marketplace. And so when you would go to the marketplace, they would have a list of people that were pledge dodgers, people that were bad to do business with. And there was an actual list where they would write their names down and no one would want to do business with a person that was a pledge dodger because they're not faithful, they're not trustworthy. And actually, if you read what commentators say, they say it's kind of possible that what Paul was really doing here is like this kind of nice uh, light level threat involved here saying, you don't show up and give what you said. I might just put your name on the Athenian Agora and no one's going to do business with you because you are dodgy. You are a pledge dodger and we don't like that. In fact, right, even biblically, we would know that uh, nobody likes pledge dodgers. The most famous ones that I know of is probably a, a, a lovely couple called Ananias and Sapphira. And if you know the story, it didn't work out for them. Nobody likes the pledge dodgers. So Paul says, I want to make sure that everything that you promised will be given. He goes on to say, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The word exaction is a phrase in the original language. And the, in the original language, it means not as someone who's had it wrung out of them. That's what it means. I'm not wringing you out here to try to get the money out. In other words, if Paul came and he said, you must give and you have to give, and this is the way it is, and this is the letter of the law. If he was to do that, do you know what we would call that? Extortion. That is extortion. And that's a crime, actually. And if you ever found somebody that was being extorted for money or blackmailed for money, you wouldn't then go ahead and say, oh, that person is so generous. Look at how much they give. You say, no, they're only giving because they have to give. They obviously are unwilling. They don't want to. They are being extorted for money, which tells me that you can't be forced to give money and consider yourself to be generous. That's extortion. So the second thing you need is actually it needs to be willing. In other words, it needs to be from your desire, from somewhere deep inside of you, you want to give. You know what we call that? We call that the heart. So in order for it to be generous, it needs to be from the heart. And this is what I discovered just from reading the Bible is that you could give a good amount from an unwilling heart. That's extortion. And you could give a low amount from a great heart. And that's just nice, but it's not generous. That's just cheap. So in other words, for anyone to be a generous person, here are the two things that you need. You need a good amount from a right heart. A good percentage of the whole from a right heart. And that's what makes a generous person. Then Paul goes on to say so much more. He says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever, and I would just asterisk this, sows bountifully will also reap 
bountifully. That's an agricultural term. I mean, I don't know how many of you are farmers, but I'm assuming not many, if any. And so we understand like the principle of sowing and reaping, but these guys, they completely understood it. In other words, if I'm hoping to have a harvest and I want to eat food in the winter, I need to sow now so that my food can grow and then I can harvest it and then I've got food. This is the point that he's making. If you sow bountifully, then you'll reap bountifully. The more seeds that you sow, if you're a farmer, the more opportunity you have to reap a great harvest. He says in verse seven, each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. We might call that extortion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. I know that there are some people that would love to read into that word sufficiency and see that as abundant excess. Here's what I've understood to be true about God. Sometimes He's going to do that. Sometimes you get abundance. Sometimes you do get extra. That's just not what this part is saying. He's saying what you have is sufficient for what you need and the excess that you've got, you're able to do something significant with. Here's a, here's a completely different idea. What if you lowered the level of your need and made sufficiency a lower level so that you had an increased excess to give? See, the, the, the problem is, is that we never look at it like this. As we grow and as I think about the people that live in wealthy suburbs, right? The expenses go up, the standard of living goes up, their needs go up, so they never see the excess. But really, what Paul is saying is you will have everything that, that you need to be sufficient. But if you always chew up the excess, you've never got anything to give and you'll never even know that it happened. You won't know because the whole time you just said, no, but I need this stuff. I, I, I need it. I need it. And you'll never know. So you can reduce what you want so you have more to share. And Paul says, you may abound in every good work. The good work that Paul is talking about right there, just so we're clear, is the advancement of the kingdom of God. He is talking about the advancement of the gospel. He's talking about resourcing that so that it can go far and wide. And listen to me, church, the most important message we have is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything that He did on the cross, the fact that He will take anyone from wherever they are, love them, forgive them, pour out grace into their life, make them a new creation in Him, you just got to realize that this is a significant message and this is the one that we need to resource to get out. Paul goes on to say in verse 9, as it is written, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. I wonder how many of you have read that and thought, I just don't even know what that means. Like they quote it like it's this very insightful point that backs up everything that Paul's already said. But have you ever just read that and said, what does that actually mean? It's sometimes it kind of seems a little out of place until you understand the Old Testament tithe. See, what would happen in the Old Testament is that when landowners would tithe from their 
properties and what their land produced, they didn't actually tithe on 100% of everything that was grown. The reason is, is that they would leave the fringes of their property for the poor to come and glean from. So they would draw their boundaries for what they harvest inside the boundaries of their property so that the edges could feed the poor people that were around them. And as you start to read that, it starts to make sense because the point that Paul is making is that you have been blessed to be a blessing. When God gives you a great harvest, you're meant to take the excess that you have and use that to do good with it. And this is how we know this is exactly what he meant because he goes on to talk about the blessing if you do what he asks. In verse 10, he says, He who supplies seed to the sower, that's God, and bread for food, that's God, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. Now here's the result. And increase the harvest of your righteousness because you're doing something good with what's been given to you. Verse 11, I feel like Paul really crystallizes it in this verse. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. You will be enriched in every way in order that you are able to be generous in every way, which through us, through the generosity of the church, through the generosity of of God's people on planet Earth, will produce thanksgiving to God. It produces thanksgiving to God. I mean, really, that's the outcome that we're looking for here. In other words, you can't just give so that you get rich. Because you look at some of these principles and you say, great, so God will supply and multiply my seed for sowing. So if I give, I'm gonna get rich. You got the wrong motive. That's not what this is about. It produces thanksgiving to God. Thank God, imagine this, thank God for the church that's incredibly generous and well-resourced and well-able and positioned well. That's the kind of thing that we wanna hear. You don't give to get rich. That's actually selfishness disguised as generosity. That's prosperity doctrine. And, and, and pros- you know what prosperity doctrine is? It's the belief that God now owes you. I have given and now you owe me. We're gonna talk about that in a couple of weeks, but that is not the right way to approach your generosity and your giving. God's blessing has come to you and it has kingdom purpose attached to it. But you will never know until you sow. You just never know. See, this is the whole point. You have no idea what your sowing will produce as long as you hold on to it. All the potential is in that seed. You sow it, God blesses it, people are blessed by it. You see it accomplish a kingdom purpose. But as long as you withhold, you'll never see it. And you know what's really crazy? I think this is fascinating to me, right? Here's what's really crazy. You could have two people that give the exact same amount. You could have two people that give the exact same percentage and one will get blessed and one will not get blessed because the difference between the two and the thing that determines whether you get your seed blessed or not is the attitude with which you sowed it. 
What does the scripture say? God loves a cheerful giver. It should be given, given willingly, not as an exaction. There's no extortion. None of that's happening. It's a good percentage of the whole amount. A good percentage of the whole amount. And then when you do that and you give it from a right heart, what happens? I mean, literally, if you were just to open the Bible and read this exactly as it says it, it would seem to state that God will give you more. And not so that you can become richer and have more and increase your level of or standard of living until you are at the brim, not ever being able to be generous, but you will be enriched in every way in order that you are able to be generous in every way. Come on, this makes sense, right? Like, I, so that you can be generous in every way. Now look at this. If you be generous, again, with what God gives you, what happens next? He blesses it. Why? Because God loves it when He can get things not just to you, but through you. And that's what God is looking for. Someone that says, God, I thank You for everything that I've got. I wanna be a great steward of it. I'm gonna decrease the level of my perceived need. I'm not gonna be greedy and I'm gonna increase the level of my generosity. And then God blesses it and blesses it and blesses it. Why? Because you keep sowing it and giving it and blessing people around you. It just seems to make sense to be generous. Doesn't simply mean that you can just give and you've made it. No, that's not generosity. Here's generosity. A good percentage from a right heart. A good percentage from a right heart. Now here's what I wanna say just as I think about this. Firstly, you should know the percentage that you give. So do some homework, do some research, right? And then ask God, is this good, is this generous and you know what I say this as a person who believes in New Testament giving but you know what I think is a great start 10% 10% of your income find a way to give it and some of you might be in a position where you say that's crazy I just could never do that it wouldn't surprise me if anybody wasn't doing that and they immediately said oh that's easy I can do that I feel like what the scripture is saying is why don't you shift your lifestyle into a position where you're actually able to do that. God, is this a good percentage? And then after doing that, just check your heart and check your attitude about that giving. This next part's really important. Obviously today I'm, I'm, I'm talking about giving, but if you think that anything that I'm saying today is a way, in a way, either manipulation, maybe of the Scriptures, or if you think in any way that what's happening here is extortion, right? Honestly, keep your money. Seriously, keep it. But just know that you've missed the entire point of the entire message because I don't know how anyone can read the scriptures the way that they were written 
at arrive at a different conclusion. But if you feel like you're being pushed or you feel like, you know, in some way that this is many places, just keep your money because I actually really don't want it. You, you, just, you just get to that place where you can have the revelation and see what God does and see how God blesses you. You are called to be generous. Simply giving doesn't mean that you've made it. Here's what it is. It's a good percentage from a right heart. Here's what I wanna do. I wanna pray for people today that maybe are just struggling with some of the things that I'm talking about today but we wanna bring our lives in alignment with everything that the scripture says. I'm not bringing my feelings as a pretext and saying, this is what I feel like it should say. I'm, I'm actually saying, this is what it says. Now let me live accordingly to your word. Father, I, I just thank you for every single person in Bright Church. And God, I thank you that we do have a generous church. But Lord, I, I also understand that it would make sense that in any church, there are always people that struggle to wrap their head around the kind of thing that I'm talking about. I pray specifically for them. I pray, God, that, Lord, you would bring them revelation to see your word as it is written. And I pray, God, that we would bring our lives in alignment with everything that your word says. We want to be generous people. We want to be a generous church. We want to be resourced so that we can be generous. We want to give so that we can see your kingdom be extended on planet earth. We want to see your gospel and that message be resourced so it can go far and wide. And Lord, we want to see your church rise and do significant things on planet earth. And we want it to be said of people, especially on religious freedom, weekend. Thank God for the church who's always positioned to help, who always does everything that they can, that are exceedingly and abundantly generous in everything that they do. Thank God the church is in Melbourne. Thank God the church is in Australia. Thank God the church is alive all around the world. And I pray God that we would be generous people. In Your Name, Jesus, we pray. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.